Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual. I'm trying to get this uploaded before my birthday tomorrow. Um, currently recording this on the 27th. It's a Wednesday. So I'm going to be talking about my power rankings. I already posted those on Instagram if you don't follow me. Be sure to go follow me over on Instagram. Same handle, at Murphy's League. Going to be covering that. Then I'm going to be previewing week 17 of the NFL season talking about some of my favorite games talking about some bets that I will be placing and then I'm going to talk briefly about the Russell Wilson benching what it means for his future if the, you know the Russell Wilson era more than likely coming to an end in Denver so I'm going to talk about the consequences of that overhaul the entire trade and talk about every detail um, as far as every pick and what those have turned into because now that we're two years removed from that trade, we've really seen you know what every asset has turned into as far as the picks go. So I'm going to be talking about each and every single detail of that trade, uh, what went so wrong, and why the Broncos ultimately decided to bench him to end the 2023 season. Again, seeming like he's not going to be there in the foreseeable future. And then quickly, I'll talk about Antonio Pierce and what he's been doing with the Raiders. A little bit of what's been going wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs, but we'll cover most of that in the power rankings as well. So as always, there will be timestamps located down below. Again, this is probably going to be a shorter episode than usual. So if you just want to skip to the segment of your choosing, you know, maybe you already saw the Instagram post, you don't care about the power rankings, you want to skip to the previews, maybe you're just interested in the bets and the lines and all that fun stuff you know feel free to look in the timestamps down below um skip to whatever segment you want either way i appreciate you all for tuning in and let's get into it Okay, so like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be going over my power rankings first things first. I'm going to be going in order from 10 to 1. And honestly, it really shocks me, the number 10 team that I have here. But when I think about it, of where they are right now, considering they're 3-5 and five in their last 8 games, and they simply do not look like the team that we're used to seeing out of them. At number 10, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think... This team has so many issues offensively. They all came apart and unraveled in this past week against the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, before we were used to seeing the Chiefs wide receivers letting Mahomes down. Even Kelsey, who clearly is not playing at the same level that he was in years past, is not looking the same. Mahomes still was looking like Mahomes, still looking incredible. But this offensive line was really a staple in this offense. It was one of the reasons why they were able to stay afloat the entirety of last year because their offensive line was extremely dominant. Not only good in pass blocking, but also good at run blocking as well. They look like a shell of themselves against the Raiders this past week. Credit the Raiders and what they were able to do. Um, you know, a lot of lesser-known guys making their impact fell in that game. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had three sacks in that game for the Raiders. And no, it was not Max Crosby. Either way, it all really came crumbling down terribly for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean... We're never used to seeing the Chiefs lose, never mind at home against the Raiders. Those are normally games where it ends up being 45 to 10 pretty quickly. We've seen that time and time again. You know, Patrick Mahomes will throw for 400 plus yards, absolutely carve up the Raiders. This was 
couldn't have been more different from that one. We know how elite the Chiefs defense has been all year. In terms of points per game and yards per game, they're still in the top five in both of those categories. Uh, top three, actually, in both of those categories. So they're still an elite defense and definitely still a force. But offensively, it just doesn't look nearly the same. Frustrations are clearly starting to boil over. You see teammates getting frustrated at each other. It's not just some of these lower guys, too. It's you know clips going viral of Andy Reid bumping into Travis Kelsey, which make of that what you will i think it's being blown out of the water but either way it's not what we're used to seeing from this type of team we're used to seeing insanely good chemistry we're used to seeing guys pick each other up um and it seems like something especially in the past month or so has really switched within this locker room and there seems to be serious animosity and frustrations boiling over between these teams and of course, you never want to count out Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey because we've seen them do it time and time and time again. Um, but this is the worst I've ever seen uh, the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs look ever, at least in my memory. Obviously, they've had some slow starts to seasons. Um, a couple years ago was a good example where they lost they had a really ugly loss to the titans you know they almost lost to the browns at home if you remember that year um i believe that was 2021 but either way the point that i'm trying to make they've never quite looked like this it's never quite looked this ugly never had this much drama along the sidelines um and I think this is the worst record. I don't think they've ever gone beyond four losses in the Patrick Mahomes era. Maybe five is the absolute most, but I know for a fact they've never reached six. So not only is it seeming like it's the worst team, on paper, it's grading out to be the worst team, just if you're looking at the wins and loss columns. But at number nine, I've got the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's crazy to me that the Cleveland Browns, after all they've gone through, you know, four quarterbacks losing their star running back and Nick Chubb, losing a couple of other key pieces for their team. It's incredible what they've been able to do. Coach Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit himself for what he's been able to do. Joe Flacco is proving that he is still viable and not yet washed in this league still has something left in the tank for him so really impressive what he's been able to do and again this team just continuously finding ways to win i don't really know how you can argue that the chiefs look like the better team right now when the browns are on an absolute roll they're seeming to be you know catching stride with joe flacco obviously amari cooper 265 yards this past week so there's something special between that connection and overall just as a roster i mean not a lot of holes really really good defense we obviously know what jeremiah wusu koromora and miles garrett are doing on that side of the ball and it's deeper than that i don't want to get you know did get it confused they deserve a lot of credit because it's a deep unit back there but it's led by those two guys in my opinion they're the biggest difference makers on that defense and then offensively they still have an amazing offensive line obviously amari cooper is doing his thing jerome ford has filled in very nicely for the absence of nick chubb and frankly it's a team that you know we've seen it a lot i think if you're on social media you're well aware that it's a trend that the browns might be the sleeper team in the afc playoffs and you know maybe they will they're not absolutely blowing the brakes off of any team which i really that's what i'm looking for in a lot of these teams um if they're gonna end up making noise in the playoffs that's that's the first thing i look at is are they beating teams soundly and are they getting hot the browns are getting hot but they're not necessarily beating the brakes off of teams um you know you'd want to see a victory or two like that before they go into the playoffs they only have a couple more opportunities at that but either way they find ways to win um hasn't necessarily 
been the prettiest or killed any teams but good run game great defense joe flacco's doing just enough so i have the cleveland browns a spot above the kansas city chiefs at number nine number eight the possibly the hottest team in the league i think they i think they are after starting three and six and having some really ugly losses in there as well like losing three to 20 to green bay um the los angeles Rams find themselves at number eight in my power rankings it is worth mentioning that game they lost to green bay brett ripen or ripen was starting that one but either way they've won five out of the last six the only game they lost in that stretch was that overtime absolute just stunner of a game in baltimore where now baltimore you know now knowing what we know about baltimore it just makes that seem all the more impressive it was already impressive when the rams did it in the moment but now that baltimore has gone on the run they've gone on and obviously are looking like the best team in the league the los angeles rams deserve a ton of respect because not only are they on a hot streak they are seriously putting teams away they beat the brakes off of cleveland who i was just talking about a second ago obviously at home so that that does help but still 36 to 19 against them um cleveland one of if not the best defense in the entire league to put 36 on them really impressive stuff beat the shit out of arizona 37 to 14 beat seattle the week before that that's when the streak started and then looking forward after they lost to baltimore they beat new orleans pretty soundly uh scoreboard doesn't necessarily show that but if you were watching that game you know they they held that game the entire time they were in control of that game the entire time and then they also beat washington by eight points as well another game scores a little bit just uh deceiving they were definitely winning that game quite handily throughout and i just want to give this coaching staff this front office a ton of credit from the turnover they've had from their super bowl roster two years ago to now it is a whole new roster outside of a couple guys obviously cooper cup matt stafford still there but new running backs almost a whole new offensive line aaron donald still there on the defensive line but kobe turner has been an absolute steal for them out of wake forest a guy i loved coming out of the draft and i was you know really hoping that there might be a way he ended up on the bears found his way in los angeles and he's been playing very very well for the rams uh either way just a ton of credit to sean mcveigh this coaching staff this um this general management they've done a fantastic job renewing this roster obviously guys like puka nakua um so not only do they have a lot of young guys you know making a difference they their veterans are still doing it too matthew stafford proving that he's still an elite quarterback in this league and can get it done at any moment the rams number eight on my list number seven i've got the philadelphia eagles i think you could definitely argue that the rams could even be seven the eagles should be eight um and 100 i hear you there they could totally be lower on this list the way they've lost some of these games even the way that they've barely beaten some really bad teams just last week against the new york giants there's no reason why that game should have given them the scare that it gave them but sure enough the giants had a chance to take the lead late into the game and possibly walk away with that thing it didn't end up happening the philadelphia eagles did end up winning but the mere fact that it was that close i mean it's just really tough i still think that <clears throat> there's a reason to believe that this team can get better i think a lot of their issues are self-inflicted i think a lot of it starts with not personnel problems but a lot of it starts with play calling issues both offensively and defensively frankly i think they can do a lot more creative things on both sides of the ball um 
their offense is just very vanilla and basic. They run a, a it's the same assortment of run plays. They don't necessarily play out of anything except the shotgun. It seems like almost no pistol or under the center formations. Again, these are things that they can change and it's the reason why i'm still reserving some slight some you know resemblance of hope for the philadelphia eagles um not only because i've seen them do it before but because a lot of their issues start from within the building and they can fix them themselves their personnel is still elite i still love a lot of the players they have on this roster and again it's a very similar roster to the one that made the super bowl just a year ago so i'm not fully trusting it right now and i'm not totally going to believe it until i see it but i'm just saying they've done it before um it wasn't nearly this bad just a year ago and i think there is by technicality a way they can get this turned around at number six i have the detroit lions even being a bears fan i'm happy for lions fans this week uh winning the nfc north for the first time in 30 years just really special for them um now they've got their biggest test of the week coming up uh or sorry of the year this week where they're going into at&t stadium in dallas playing the the dallas cowboys for huge implications as far as playoff seedings but also just in terms of pride sake and you know statement wins for the rest of the league you know what's what type of team are they going to be um it's it sucks but it definitely influenced my decision on the rankings as well because at number five i do have the dallas cowboys i do think they are going to beat the detroit lions i just think they're a more well-rounded team the lions defense is very fluky they come and go sometimes they do look like a really good unit especially when aiden hutchinson and some of those guys on the defensive line are at their best they're a very good unit in that regard but it doesn't happen consistently enough dallas is just a really really good team at home so i really do think that i don't know if they're going to cover that six points that they're favored by but we'll get to that once we get to that once i get to my preview segment i'll talk about that in more detail but either way the dallas cowboys pretty similar team to the detroit lions just more well-rounded and a better defense i think that gives them the edge there they're also a fantastic team at home they may be hosting a home playoff game if they can keep the lead in the nfc east time will tell in that department but either way the fifth best team in the league right now i have the dallas cowboys at number four the miami dolphins i mean you got to give them their credit they just beat the, the dallas cowboys so obviously whoever won, won that game would have been four in my power rankings because i think the top three teams are pretty solidified up there by now uh, but either way the miami dolphins statement win against the dallas cowboys um mostly because of how they won the game i was really impressed by they didn't win in the 45 32 succession you know it wasn't one of these things where the last team that has the ball is going to win um they won situationally on offense you know they got stuff done when they needed to they moved the ball when they absolutely needed to credit to jason sanders because he was nailing those things i think he had three field goals from 50 plus yards so again huge reason why miami was able to win that game because a lot of it did come down to field goals and their defense did just enough to hold dallas off of the end zone obviously there was the first drive of the game dallas had a missed exchange on uh a one yard run play to their fullback ended up being a fumble miami got bailed out a little bit there but i mean that's just part of the game sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles and again their defense did just enough held dallas to 20 points and miami scored 22 so obviously that's that's the rules of the game got to score more points than your opponents they found a way to do it even if it wasn't the prettiest game i think it was good for just 
the morale sake of this team. You know, they don't have to win in a shootout every time. They can beat you in a few different ways. Um, not saying that's entirely sustainable and they're going to be able to do it consistently throughout the playoffs, but it definitely is, you know, a mental win in that regard, proving themselves that they can win that way if they need to. And obviously, it's nice to get the monkey off your back. I'm sure they've heard the narrative. They they can't beat any quality teams. They can't beat a team with a winning record. Um, they beat a team with a winning record. Winning record, excuse me. And the Dallas Cowboys, whatever you think about them, you know they are they are worse on the road. That is definitely a fact. But still, a good football team. And the Miami Dolphins were able to beat them. Now. They've got the ultimate test in the next two weeks going on the road to play at Baltimore and then at home for Buffalo. If they lose out, not only do they lose the one seed opportunity, but they can be quickly become a wild card team, which would really be quite the drastic change in just the last you know few weeks of the NFL season. The Buffalo Bills really getting hot at the right time. If Miami can just hold true and win at least one of those games, not only are they more than likely going to get the one seed, um, but they're not going to have to you know, go on the road in the first week of the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills will be forced to do that, and that would obviously be a huge swing in advantage for two teams that are still fighting for the AFC East title. Title, I said that weird, title, excuse me. Number three. The Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to spend too much time on these top three teams because you guys have already figured out who they are by now. Number three, I've got the Buffalo Bills. Number two, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. And then number one, I mean, after the statement of all statements on Christmas Day, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think I need to explain myself too much in this one. I mean, I think most people can kind of agree that these are the three best teams in the league right now. Maybe you can put someone else at number three, but I know the Bills you're almost tempted to move them down even though they won this week because it wasn't a very impressive win coming against a backup quarterback um, and the Los Angeles Chargers who just have overall been having a pretty disappointing year this year all in all. But those are still hard games to win. I mean, you're going on the road. You're traveling across this country. It's in prime time. Weird shit happens in those night games all the time. And you're playing against a team that has an interim coach. And I don't care what you say. I don't care what team it is. Any team that's having their first week with the interim head coach, their winning record is ridiculously good. This is a pattern. It's not just something, you know, it's not just some coincidence. This There's general statistics and data supporting this argument that teams play better after their head coach is fired. It's just facts. And we saw that with the Bills. They almost got caught in a trap. They had three turnovers in that game, but hey, they still found a way to win. Uh, I still really like James Cook and what they've been finding along the ground because I think that's going to be crucial to their success in the playoffs. Their defense is really turning on, especially their pass rush. Leonard Floyd and Ed Oliver are playing at very, very high levels. So I still got to give the Bills the number three spot. I still think as of this given moment, there's only two teams I'd pick over them. And that's the 49ers and the Ravens. And I think that's fair. The Ravens have made some absolute statement games, statement wins this year. You know, we thought maybe Detroit was going to be able to go into Baltimore and possibly make a statement. Absolutely not. They beat them by 30 plus. Same thing a couple of weeks before that um, against the Seahawks. You know, they've had some really, really fantastic wins. And then, of course, on Christmas Day, absolutely beating the shit out of the Niners. Brock Purdy easily having the worst game of his career. This defense is really, really coming into his own. And I shouldn't say coming into its own because they've, they've been there. They've been dominant this entire season. Um, but either way, a lot of credit to the Baltimore Ravens. 
got to be the best team in the league right now. And the Niners, again, I'm not trying to overreact, but this was a really, really ugly loss for the 49ers. They need to forget about this game ASAP. They need to put it on the burner. Just never go back to it. I mean, maybe watch the film. But again, Purdy's worst game of his career. Yes, credit the Ravens defense, but he did not play to the level we're used to seeing him either. That's going to do it for my power rankings. Let's move on to my next segment. Um, I guess I'll preview next week's games. Alright, let's talk about some games going on in this next week. Again, I'm not sure how detailed I'm going to get into some of these, but let's just go for it. Week 17 preview. Let's start with the Lions at the Cowboys. I talked about this game a little bit in my power ranking section, but the Dallas Cowboys are currently six-point favorites. The Dallas Cowboys are also coming off back-to-back losses. They're trying to avoid their first three-game losing streak since 2020. They're also coming off back-to-back away games. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but they are significantly better at home. They're 7-0 and at home this year. They're also 10-1 and as a favorite. Um, that is tied for the best in the entire league. So the Dallas Cowboys still a very elite team. Statistically, they still are at the top of the top. Points per game, they're second in the league. Yards per game, sixth in the league. Uh, what else we got? Touchdowns per game, fourth in the league. And then defensively, we know how good this defense can be, led by Marka, Micah Parsons and that dominant defensive line. Points per game, seventh in the league. Uh, opponents, opponents' touchdowns per game, 12th in the league as well. So statistically, a very well-rounded team, a very, very good team at home. If you shift that to the Lions' point of view, obviously coming off a very emotional win and a division title, don't know if that's going to you know play a factor but it's definitely worth mentioning they're one and one on the season as underdogs pretty crazy they've only been underdogs twice this year this will only be the third time all year long that they will be underdogs they're six and two on the road but i really just think going into dallas is different i think this is going to be an extremely high scoring game the i mean don't get me wrong i won't be surprised because there's always these games where we're so certain it's going to be high scoring and the next thing you know you look up and it's it's 3-3 at the end of the first quarter and it's like oh shit maybe we got a little overzealous but i really do think this could be a game where everything goes out the window and we could see a crazy amounts of scoring um I mentioned earlier the Dallas Cowboys are favored by six points, but the over-under currently sitting at 53.5 points, easily the highest on the week, and I think it's super fair to say that. The Lions' defense, statistically at least, not a very good defense in their own right, but their offense, I mean, they've got the statistics to back it up. They average 3.5 touchdowns per game, fifth in points per game, third in yards per game, third in yards per play as well, which is just a good metric to say, you know, how explosive your offense is. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys currently sitting at seventh. So again, high flying offenses in this one, Dallas's defense is significantly better. I think it gives them the edge also playing at home, but there's going to be huge playoff implications as well. Obviously the Lions have already secured a home playoff game no matter what. I think it'd be awesome to see the Rams and Matthew Stafford to go in to Detroit and play in that home game, but that's neither here nor there. My point is Dallas, they feel like they have more to play for right now because they still have their division title on the line. They haven't locked that up by any means. As of right now, I think they're still first in the NFC East technically. I don't know if the um, Eagles technically took that back. Either way, my point is they're absolutely neck and neck with the Eagles. Uh, They still have plenty more to play for. Not that Detroit is going to let up because that's just not how this team is going to operate. Obviously, it's a Dan Campbell-led team. And just, you know, 
professional football teams in general don't really tend to let up. But there is a sort of emotional, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess, I guess the emotions maybe won't be flowing as heavily for the Lions as they would be for the Cowboys. Because the Lions, I mean, come on, they've got to be on cloud nine right now. They just won the division for the first time in 30 years. And obviously you can't, you know, get complacent and satisfied with that. But there might be a little bit of a regression after that. And again, I just really like the Dallas Cowboys in this one. Um, I really like the over. I don't know if necessarily I'm going to be taking either one of those bets. I, I'm just saying... If I were to do a little bit of predicting here, I have a feeling both of those things would end up happening. And it could be a really, really fun game on Saturday night. So be sure to tune in and watch this one because I know I will be. Actually, maybe I won't now that I think about it. What day is that? 30th? I might be. No, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll be down to San Diego, but that's okay. I, I'll get the boys to watch it. Um, okay, we got Dolphins at Ravens up next. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites in this one. The Dolphins have the chance to make the absolute statement of all statements a week after the Ravens made the statement of all statements. If the Dolphins can find a way to go into Baltimore and win this game, not only are they more than likely going to secure their crown of AFC East champions, they are more than likely going to have the number one seed going into the AFC playoffs, which obviously huge advantage there as far as rest, as far as a buy, as far as playing at home. I mean, there's just so many reasons why you want that number one seed and why it's so valuable. But with all that being said, I don't think they're going to win this game. I think Baltimore is hungry. They're desperate. It feels like it's their year. Uh, Miami, obviously a team that not only are they not as good on the road, but we know they just got their first win against above a team 500 and it was in their own building now they have to go in the road and face you know the hottest team or just overall the best team in the league statistically we know what they're able to do they're first in touchdowns per game first in points per game first in yards per game second in yards per play defensively they've gotten much better especially in the second half of the year they're first in sack percentage in the entire nfl 13th in a po and <clears throat> opposing points per game so keep in mind they were in the 20s at one point through the year so they've gone significantly better in that regard they're also significantly better at opposing third down conversion they're seventh in the league there Vic Fangio has really figured something good out with this defense Andrew Van Ginkle has almost I don't want to say seamlessly fit in in Jalen Phillips' spot, but he's filled in very, very nicely. He's been excellent for this team. And they're also fourth in yards per game. So the defense quickly getting better. Um, don't know if it's going to be enough to contain Baltimore and this offense. Uh, but either way, Baltimore just finding ways to continue to do it. Obviously, their identity right now is turnover margin. They are extremely good at taking care of the football in terms of interception percentage thrown they're fourth in the league and they're easily first in turnover margin they do an incredible job at taking the ball away from you and not giving it back as far as <clears throat> excuse me as far as their rushing game we know what baltimore has been able to do they're still first in the entire league in rushing yards per game second rushing touchdowns second yards per rush and then defensively i mean what else do I need to say? We, we all know what they've been able to do. They have been fantastic on defense all, all year long. One of, if not the entire 
Um, sorry, one of the best defenses in the league, if not the entire league. Uh, again, we know how incredible they've been able to be, especially against the run. It has been just incredible what they've been able to do. Um, you know, not as great against Christian McCaffrey, but who really is? I mean, I shouldn't even say against the run. And I mean, they, they're, they're fantastic against the pass. In terms of yards per pass, they're first in the league. They only allow five yards per pass. So that is just an incredible statistic. Um, and either way, I don't, I don't think that Miami's going to be able to go into Baltimore and win, but it would be an absolute statement if they do. Uh, Baltimore, Miami, both have plenty to play for. Both still vying for the number one seed. I think Baltimore wins this one, covers the three-point spread, and or three-and-a-half-point spread now. They probably still cover that. I'm not saying it's one of my best bets, but I'm just saying they probably still cover that. And Lamar Jackson really cements himself as the MVP of this league. Up next, we got the Saints at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers looking to close this thing out, keep a hold of the NFC South, and go to the playoffs and host a playoff game with Baker Mayfield under helm. Baker Mayfield really, you know, making a solid argument to be re-signed by the Tampa Buccaneers. Um, come back as potentially their future starter going forward. Uh, again, don't know how long that is going to last. He really seems to be one of these guys that does his best work when his back's against the wall. Once the contract's secured, who knows if he continues to play at the level we've seen him play, especially the past few weeks. He's been playing very, very well. But either way, some really notable stats in this one. Um, I fully expect Tampa to take care of business at home and win the division. I don't know if they'd actually clinch with this one, but it, it'd be pretty much squared away if they found a way to win this one. But I thought some really interesting statistics in this one. The Saints are 11-20-1 against the spread under De Dennis Allen since he's been the head coach of New Orleans Saints. The over that span, that is easily the worst in the league. Also, this year, they are 4-10-1 against the spread, which, again, worst in the league. Whereas the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the best teams quietly against the spread all year long. They're 10-5 against the spread. I believe that's tied for second best in the league. Again, not really a statistic you would think would be affiliated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for, all, for those reasons I just mentioned, I really, really like... Tampa to cover in this one. They know what's on the line. Derek Carr is not playing his best football. I'm just not convinced that the Saints have much going offensively. You know, there's moments and sometimes the occasional big play by Rash uh, Rashid Shahid that'll bail them out. But overall, I just haven't seen it at all consistently enough produced from the Saints offense. Um, this Bucks defense can be a little bit hit or miss, but there's still some really good guys. I like their linebackers that can line up against Kamara um, in the checkdown game. I don't think we're going to see one of these Kamara takeover games. And I just don't trust the Saints offense as a whole. So I really like Tampa. Take care of business. Put their stamp on this one you know, move one step to closer towards winning the division and covering that three-point spread because of all those statistics I just mentioned earlier. Up next, this is another one I really like. I mentioned that you almost always want to bet against a team, or sorry, for a team that just hired their, their head coach. This isn't quite the same situation because Sean Payton isn't going anywhere, but Russell Wilson has been benched. The era is over. Jared Stenham's first start. I think he's going to get some electricity into this offense. I think he's going to kickstart something. I think Sean Payton's really going to do his best to make it easier on him while also, you know, straining the defense. So I think we're going to see Sean Payton dialing it up for Jared, for Jared Stidham. I think he's going to want to prove it to the rest of the world that this can be a guy. Just like we saw last year when Jared Stidham came in late and replaced Derek Carr late in that season. And he came in 
in his first few games in particular and was lighting it up, playing really, really well, putting up some really good numbers. I think we're going to see something similar here at home. Um, that also plays a huge factor in this one. I think the Chargers come back down to earth a little bit with their first-year head coach. Or, sorry, not even first-year head coach. Their first two weeks head coach. I think they come back down to earth after, you know, just a really emotional long season now going and playing against a division rival in their building with a new quarterback, maybe a little more juice in that locker room. I think the Tampa, or I almost said Tampa Bay Broncos. I think the Denver Broncos cover three points against the Los Angeles Chargers. And my last best bet I have for you guys, actually I got two more, so I got a little, I got a special bet. Um, up next though, Rams at Giants. <clears throat> I mentioned it a little bit earlier and I cannot believe that the spread is this close. The Rams are absolutely on fire and they've covered in five straight games. That's the best streak in the NFL. I really think they're going to make it six. They've been beating the brakes out of opponents and we know the Giants are just simply not that good of a football team. They were able to keep it really competitive with the Philadelphia Eagles, but I mentioned it earlier. I don't even know if the Rams are a worse team than the Philadelphia Eagles right now. There's an argument you can make. If they played tomorrow in a neutral site, the Rams would probably win that football game. So I like them to keep their momentum going. I really like the things that they've you know been able to pick up this past six weeks or so. I think they're going to carry it over into the playoffs. Feels like one of these teams that's peaking at the right time. And I think Matthew Stafford and the guys keep it going despite traveling across the country. I think they cover and beat the Giants soundly. Four and a half points. I'll take that all day. Up next, the last game I want to talk about before I talk about Russell Wilson really quickly and then get out of here. Again, going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than usual. <clears throat> God, excuse me. I'm like losing my voice as I go. What the hell? Steelers at Seahawks. The Seahawks have covered in four straight. The Steelers have been very very up and down this season you know there's moments of absolute magic from George Pickens clearly emerging as a superstar at the wide receiver position out there but I think Seattle knows exactly what's at stake they're still fighting for a playoff spot I think they're gonna get a playoff spot over a team like the Minnesota Vikings I fucking hope they do because I don't want to see the Vikings in the playoffs they're just not very fun to watch and pretty mid in my opinion I like the Seattle Seahawks a lot more Seattle playing at home 12th man is going to play a huge factor in this one Mason Rudolph whoever is going to be starting that quarterback for the Steelers I don't think it matters I think they come back down to earth in this one I think Devon Witherspoon should be back to match up against George Pickens not that it's a perfect matchup or anything like that because Pickens is a very talented receiver himself but I think they're going to be able to slow him down just enough I think they're going to be able to slow down Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in this running game again playing at home is a significant advantage one of the best home field advantages in the entire nfl i really like seattle to take care of business catch some momentum going into the playoffs and cover in five straight games three and a half point favorites those are four best bets for you guys let me know what you think of them hit me up with your thoughts and before i get out of here i'm going to quickly record a segment about russell wilson all right so danger russ looking like his time is over as a bronco so so a few details about this benching. Um, it makes total sense just from a financial point of view. And again, it really alludes to the fact that he's more than likely going to be released by the team. But I will also get into a point of most people are saying this. Most analysts are saying this. So I tend to agree with them, um, especially when you see a move like this. It's almost always financial. But the problem is if they cut him, they're still going to lose a lot of money. I'll get into that in a second. But 
He would be owed $37 million in March regardless of health. So say he were to suffer, you know, a, an ACL tear if or whatever, whatever, until it lasts till March. Just picture an injury that would last two months. So let's say, let's just go extreme and say he, he tore his ACL. He has a physical in March that if he does not pass, he would be owed $37 million. Uh, that guaranteed money would kick in. Uh, but before I get into that, don't forget, the Broncos also gave Russell Wilson a five-year, $242 million extension. So they gave him a five-year, essentially quarter of a billion dollar contract before he even had a single snap for them. And that extension hasn't even kicked in. He's still on his deal that he signed with in Seattle. Um, he's technically under contract for seven years that five-year extension he he signed, excuse me, doesn't kick in till next year. So it's a really, really interesting situation, and it even just further solidifies that this is truly one of the worst trades, not only in the history of the league, but in the history of sports. What we're seeing here is absolutely unheard of, that someone of this caliber, you know, he was being talked about as a guy that, how is this guy never earned an MVP vote? Is this guy going to be a Hall of Famer? He's won a Super Bowl. He could have won two. Yada, yada, yada. All the conversations in the world. He's obviously a franchise guy. The Broncos were just one piece away. When that trade happened, I don't remember how I felt about it exactly, but I do think I remember saying it seemed like a win-win for both sides, and it made total sense. And then they signed him to the huge five-year, $242 million deal. Um, and then, of course, we know what's happened to the quarterback market since then. It's only gotten crazier. But this was really one of the first contracts um, that reset the market and had everyone's eyes like, wow, that is big money, but what are you going to do? You have to pay someone like that. And sure enough, the contract technically hasn't even started, and he, the Broncos are already doing their best to move on from him. So it's just a crazy sequence of events. If you told someone this a couple years ago, they never would have believed you. This is just absolutely unheard of that someone would be giving up you know that many picks that many assets for a guy just to sign him to a brand new fresh extension and then not even ever use that extension is just unheard of unreal stuff um and if he's healthy you know <clears throat> by being benched he can at least be used as a trade asset the ultimate kick in the ass would be if the seattle seahawks end up trading back for him that would be fucking hysterical Technically, he can also just be released, but even the dead cap, that dead cap hit would be over $80 million. So that's the argument against it. I've heard a lot of analysts saying, oh, he's more than likely going to be cut and playing somewhere else on a brand new contract. While that totally could happen, $80 million of dead cap is a huge deal. Um, I don't remember what their record was. I think it was when Matt Ryan got cut from the Falcons. They were like, they had something ridiculous number in the dead cap space as well but 80 million dollars is no fluke at all and i just don't know exactly how they're going to get out of this situation cleanly it just doesn't really seem like a situation that's due for release because of the amount of dead money but i also don't know what else you do because i don't know who's going to be trading for russell wilson when he has that type of cap hit and if you are trading for him at best it's going to be a late you know a late round pick you know, a later in the draft pick because why would you trade up other assets for someone that's making this much money when we've seen young quarterbacks are obviously the way to go. You always, 
will benefit from having a quarterback on a rookie deal. It will always be easy to construct a roster that way, no matter what you think. Obviously, sometimes you got to pay the quarterback, and you don't want someone like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson walking. That's just not what you want. But sometimes you got to go for the young quarterback. I mean, just ask Seattle. Seattle won their Super Bowl with Russell Wilson when he was in his second year in the league and on the rookie deal, and they were paying everyone and their mother on the defensive side of the ball. So really tough situation for the Denver Broncos. Again, looking more than likely that Russell Wilson will be gone. Not sure if it's going to come by release. I Just judging from what I've heard from people I trust, um, you know, in this business, not saying that I know many of them personally, but I'm just saying from what I've heard on the internet and YouTube videos and all that stuff, sounding like he's going to be released and playing somewhere else on a new contract. Not going to be surprised if that all, if that happens, but also not going to be surprised if they just find a way to keep him around, maybe recon- uh, restructure his deal, maybe reconstruct that thing because more than likely he'll be con- taking a significant pay cut, but if he gets cut and then signed somewhere else, he's going to be taking one anyways. So it might be a win-win for both sides. Might end up seeing that happening. I really don't know. Either way, really, really interesting situation. And again, going to go down as one of the worst trades in the history of sports. And just before I get out of here, I'm going to close it out by saying exactly what the Seahawks got. Um, and just further proving my point of why it's one of the worst trades ever. The Seahawks got, in conclusion, so in the moment... They got Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, um, and then obviously the Broncos got Russell Wilson. But then they also got a bunch of picks. Those picks happened to turn into Charles Cross, who was an immediate day one starter at tackle, a really good one at that. Boye Mafe, who had a little bit of a slow start to his career, but has really turned it on this year and has actually been a very, very good edge rusher for the Seattle Seahawks. Devon Witherspoon, who is not only one of the best rookies in this entire class, but is straight up one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league already for the Seattle Seahawks. He has been fantastic. One of, if not my favorite player in the entire draft last year. So super, super hype. Um, that they were able to grab him at number five because he has been a stud for them. And then, of course, Derek Hall, another edge rusher who, again, slower start to his career, but we just saw this with Boye Mafe. He started slow as well and has really, really turned it on. So, all in all, Seattle Seahawks absolutely won this trade. It's crazy to think in perspective, you know, trading the best player in your franchise's history a guy that brought you a super bowl has been talked about in the mvp conversation you know all this and that just to go somewhere else and have it absolutely not work out is really a testament to the seattle coaching staff their front office they've been able to do incredible things a lot of credit to them and it just sucks to see russell wilson kind of phase out of the league this year uh, because he was really fantastic in his prime, and I hope we can see a Russell Wilson revenge story, just for shit's sake, because he deserves it, and as a football fan, why would you not want that? Either way, that's going to do it for me, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. If you did, be sure to follow me here on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to this episode. Be sure to go follow me on Instagram, at Murphy's League. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Have a great rest of your night or day, and peace out.